Hey everyone, it's your host of See Jurassic Right, Stephen Ray Morris here, just dropping in to say, I hope you've been enjoying all the new episodes in 2023 and 2024 so far. There are new interviews with filmmakers, musicians, scientists, the screenwriter of Land Before Time, audio essays about the rich history of the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World franchise, and all the news about the upcoming animated show Jurassic World Chaos Theory and the as-of-yet untitled Jurassic World sequel coming next summer. I really need your help supporting the show right now, and you can do that by leaving a tip and or giving a monthly follow on Patreon, patreon.com slash There are $1 and $5 tiers, but more is coming. Sharing the show, giving five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts, and liking and commenting on social, at Stephen Ray Morris on Instagram and Twitter, goes a long way to help boosting the show's visibility again online in this new era. I'm an independent podcaster and your support is so important and means the world to me in keeping this podcast running. Link to the Patreon is in the show notes. Hold on to your butts. Thank you. And now on to the show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, Stephen. It's Dusty in Salt Lake City. I'm just calling about the Valentine's show. Hope not too late. My favorite couple in the Jurassic Park movie, um, and the whole franchise, I guess, uh, human-wise, is Dr. Sadler and Dr. Grant first. And then, of course, I love Sarah and Malcolm in Lost World. Um, interspecies, really like Owen and Blue. That connection is just so great. Um, and then I also love the um, mutual respect that Muldoon shows for the, the loss of raptors. It's, it's a very healthy respect, I think. And then, of course, he loses his life, which is sad. But um, but you can really tell that, that he cared for those animals as well. I think my favorite relationship growth that you see, though, um, especially in the Jurassic Park movie, that is the um, relationship between Dr. Grant and Lex and Tim. Um you know, we see him show a real disdain for the child in the beginning of the movie, scaring him half to death with those velociraptor claws and the story. Um, and then he continues his annoyance um, with Tim before they go into the park. However, um, once Gennaro abandons the kids and then Rexy attacks, you see almost a survival instinct kick in uh, with Dr. Grant, and he puts himself in danger to save Lex and Tim. And I love that he doesn't correct the children, uh, when he call, when they, uh, like when Tim calls carnivores, mutasauruses, and herbivores, veggie sauruses. 
I think that uh, sometimes, especially as adults and then scientists, um, you know, we forget to let kids be kids. And Metasaurus and Vegisaurus are exactly the same thing as carnivore or herbivore. Um, so it's nice that he didn't let the scientist part of himself uh, get in the way of that connection that he has or that he's developing with the children. And then I think they have a nice moment in the tree. Uh, you know, they sleep in the tree. It's really sweet that um, he lets them kind of snuggle into him. And then they get to pet the Brachiosaurus. And you see him really loosen up, I think, in that part. Um, and then uh, they... I also think that there's a really nice moment when they see the Gallimimus running across the field, and, and he's like, "Hey Tim, what are those?" And and you know, Tim's like, you know, he tries to get out, and he's like, "Oh, Gallimimus!" And and it's like Dr. Grant showing, like, you're realizing that you know this kid's pretty smart, and he is really special. And the uh, I love the part uh, when they get to the visitor center and they really work as a team, and, and he treats them as team members and not necessarily just as children. Um, so I think that you, you really see some growth in Dr. Grant um, throughout that movie. And then on the helicopter, of course, Ellie gets to see his nurturing side when the kids are like, he's got his arms around the kids and they're, they're leaving the island to safety. Um, so I think that's a really special moment as well. And that brings me back full circle to my favorite couple being Dr. Sadler and Dr. Grant. Um, Anyway, I hope everyone has a roar-tastic Jurassic Valentine's Day, and um, you can find uh, my dino adventures with Ezra at We Dig Dinos on Instagram. All right, have a great day, and thanks so much for the podcast. Bye. Welcome back to See Jurassic Right, the quote-unquote Minnesota edition. Uh, thank you, Dusty, for that wonderful call, like really taking us through uh, Grant's kind of journey. I love that. I love, I mean, so much to unpack, and we're going to get into that more once we get into our uh, Valentine's slash post-Valentine's uh, discussion about our favorite couples and ships and relationships, not just romantic uh, you know, funny and meaningful and cute and awesome and rad, uh, later in the episode, I mean, mini-sode, <laughs> um, but, uh, what I really, uh, just what really struck my mind, uh, what struck me in your call was kind of Grant in his growth, almost becoming the ideal scientist. Not that you have to like kids to be a great scientist, but, uh, I think what a people what a lot of people respond to, and I think you know, looking at the new Jurassic franchise, I think what people want more of is that there was almost it was funny. I was watching Brenda and I were watching Twister last night, uh, or on Valentine's Day and uh, Valentine's evening. Um, and one thing I was really struck about that movie was how how Crichton it was because he wrote the script um, uh, along with his uh, wife Anne Marie Martin and. Uh, was, you know, how Crichton-y it is with like scientists and the lingo of them doing their thing. But I think something that Spielberg really, really captured, I think even more so in Jurassic Park, as far as scientists go, is that ideal, like the ideal, um, wanting to promote learning and imagination and to inspire and to sort of be like, you know, to, to promote that inquisitiveness in children and stuff. And I think a lot of people who 
watched Jurassic Park as a kid, I think that was a part that really struck with us and kind of, in some ways, I think that's a big part of why I still love Jurassic Park and why I still think, in a way, why I think people still like dinosaurs is it kind of keeps that natural curiosity and inquisitiveness in us alive as adults. So um, I really like the way you broke that down, Dusty. I thought that was really cool. And that really stuck with me. So thank you for your call. And that was such a great way to open this episode. That's super late. And yeah, <laughs> um, excuse me. Uh, thanks everyone for listening, for tuning in. Um, again, it's, you know, we're in this period where episodes, minisodes are coming a little bit more sporadically. So thank you again for all your support. This really is my favorite community on the internet. And I'm so thankful for you, for all of you. And so, yeah, I'm just, I'm super, you know, it's been a crazy month and I'll get into, you know, more about it because some of it relates to Jurassic. Um, but yeah, so I'm just excited to sit down here and talk Jurassic with all y'all for about an hour or ish or something like that. Um, but yeah, anyway, let's just dive into it. I mean, I first want to start off with speaking of the very opposite of all this stuff. Uh, I wanted to start off with just wanted to say a few words about, Jurassic Fraud, the Nerdist remix uh, that has been going around. I mean, obviously the Fire Festival has been such a hot thing, but like the moment that they tied it into Jurassic Park, I was just like, this just like takes it over to the next level. So if you haven't seen it yet, they basically took the the Fire Festival was this whole fraud of a festival that just never, I mean, was never really going to get off the ground, but it just kind of like you know, my favorite frauds. Those are like, th that's my thing. I love fraud stories. And so to sort of take the idea of Jurassic Park and put it through the lens of this, like John Hammond was trying to fool everybody into thinking he could pull it off, uh, was so clever. And, uh, it's just a funny video. Uh, I love the use of all the footage from all the movies. Um, although I think maybe he just used the, the, they just use audio for the fifth for fallen kingdom, but, uh, I just love that they incorporated all the footage. So I definitely wanted to give a shout out to Matt Caron, um, who edited it over at Nerdist. And the graphics were by Charles Shattuck and Steve Gong. Um, my friend Rachel Hine, she's the editor in chief over at Nerdist. And yeah, they're they're always putting out great content. But it's just like when I saw that, I just had to be like, thank you. This is awesome. Like it really just made my entire week. And it was just like, again, this thing that we're all kind of obsessed with right now with fire festival it just was like all right well now this is even more for me and it just was mwah, chef's kiss like so great uh but yeah so if you haven't seen the jurassic fraud yet go to the facebook group see jurassic right podcast you know go online check out i think i retweeted it on twitter but i mean you can just go to uh, nerdist and check it out but yeah that was yeah it was so hilarious um all right. And the next bit of news is I wanted to talk about the photo blitz that has been making the rounds that has gotten people really excited about Jurassic World 3. Uh, the, I think the first one to really kick it off was Joseph Mazzello, who's in Bohemian Rhapsody, um, and Laura Dern, who's everywhere because she's in everything. Obviously, Big Little Lie season two. And um, ooh, the there's there's some other movie that she did recently that's really good that she's kind of making the rounds for as well during award season. But um, she was in a photo with Laura Dern or Laura Dern was in a uh, Joseph Mazzello and Laura Dern got a photo together, you know, little Timmy all grown up. Um, and then obviously Laura Dern and Sam Neill were in a photo together. 
Um, and then, uh, you know, Jeff Goldblum's around during awards and Chris Pratt's during around awards. So everybody's kind of, you, you know, dancing around and being like, huh, 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 about Jurassic World 3 because, you know, why not? <laughs> That's the thing we're all looking forward to. So, uh, but I just think it's interesting because obviously it's, we're so far away from any really concrete news. I mean, uh, Jurassic World 3 comes out June 11th, 2021. So, you know, it's does, it's not coming out next summer. So, I mean, we're not even, you know, if you look at when Fallen Kingdom trailers came out, if you look at when Jurassic World uh, trailers came out, they were usually the like Thanksgiving time-ish the year before. So it's like 2014, you know, Thanksgiving 2014 to 2015, uh, you know, Thanksgiving 2017 to 2018. So it's like, we're not going to get anything until like Thanksgiving 2020. So it's just kind of, you know, I think for me, there's a lot of, you know, there's a great article on Jurassic Outpost about it, but you know, before we, and then uh, Clayton Fioriti did another great little video about the news and stuff. And uh, because besides all these people kind of being in photos together and stuff, Chris Pratt was in an interview where he said he's read the whole thing, which I don't know what that means, like script or pitch. Um, he says he's heard the quote unquote heard the whole pitch. Um, he said he made mention of the promise of the end of Fallen Kingdom, which is interesting. Um, bigger role for Jeff Goldblum was thrown around, and then there was the phrase "jump forward." So these little things all kind of adding up, and people are already speculating. I think obviously that you know we're at a point where there's a pitch, there's a script, possibly a first draft script being written. Um, I'm trying to remember when they started filming the other two movies, but I mean, the earliest filming is probably end of this year, you know, so maybe, you know, towards the end of the summer, we'll start to get some announcements and stuff like that. But um, what I think is really cool. And I think that, I mean, you know, ultimately they wouldn't do all this stuff to get people excited for no reason. So I think what my hope is, is that maybe these contracts are signed, you know, maybe it's like, Hey, like, coming out of Fallen Kingdom, they were like, well, we still want to get Laura Dern uh, in it. We we definitely want to get Jeff Goldblum to come back. So let's sign them up now. Um, and then that way they, and, that, and that's why they're having all this cheeky fun with it right now, because it's like, well, they already know they're going to be in it in some form. So I just don't think that they would post all these photos like, eh, eh, without us like, you know, without, because that would just be horrible if they were like, nah, never mind, they're not in it. Um, but who knows? They could be negotiating in the press too. That's another that's another tactic that actors use. So, or probably not actors, probably actors agents. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, there's some interesting things that Pratt uh, said. Um, you know, but again, I think it's I think you really have to take it all with a grain of salt. I, I saw around like people were saying jump forward as in time jump, which again, that's like that was almost like my little fear was that like Isabella Sermon was so great in Fallen Kingdom, I would hate to time jump so far ahead that they would like cast another actor in that role. I really want to see, you know, the relationship speaking of relationships, not just the relationship between Owen and blue, but the relationship I think that I'm hoping we might see between blue and Macy, you know, I, I really want to see, I guess I just want to see Isabella sermon come back and because she really was one of the best parts of fallen kingdom and really carried that side of this. I mean, she carried the whole, she carried a whole side of the plot, you know, all the villain stuff. She was kind of our eyes through which we saw the stories. So, um, yeah, I, I hope that, you know, because again, I, I went back and like, I rolled through the footage and it said jump forward. It didn't say time jump. So I think, 
you know, all the Jurassic sequels kind of take place in real time after each other, you know, three years or whatever. Um, so I think, you know, and jump forward can mean anything. And, and mostly I'm thinking, as a lot of people have been thinking that, um, you know, we're not going to, the next movie's not going to pick up with like the handful of dinosaurs we saw run off at the end of Fallen Kingdom. It's going to be whether or not they're spread across the world or anything like that. And, you know, we've talked about other interviews with Colin and Emily and stuff about just their kind of thoughts about what, what they're hoping for the, you know, when they put together uh, Jurassic World 3. But, you know, my, my instinct is that we're not going to have a time jump, but just the idea that these dinosaurs are spreading around the world and that you saw the different companies, like they're not going to sit on this for three years. Like these companies are going to start using those dinos right away, whether it's for cloning more dinos using it for research. Like you look back at Crichton's novel, you know, engineering pets, um, you know, using it for medicines and things like that. I think we're going to see it kind of affect the world in more kind of fun sci-fi kind of ways. Um, but I don't think it means a literal like time jump. I think that's my hope, but that, you know, that, um, that gets me to my next point, which is, I'm just going to set it up now. Cause I want to talk about it at the end, but, um, next month's question, you know, for the next mini sode, um, because I think we're at a very crucial time right now before any real news starts to slip out for Jurassic World 3. I want to know what your predictions are for Jurassic World 3. I want you to say one prediction which you hope to come true. Um, and then I want to make a little time capsule. I want to take all those responses I get from everybody, put it in an, in an egg, um, <laughs> and uh, and then probably not open it till maybe the week after falling, or um, excuse me, after um, Jurassic World 3 or something like that. I think that would be... Um, really fun to kind of see what came true and what didn't. And I think right now is a really good time because it's before any cast, any official casting. Obviously we know, uh, Claire and, uh, you know, we know Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt are coming back and possibly Henry Wu, which I'm sure he is, uh, or BD Wong, excuse me. And, uh, you know, that blue is going to be back. You know, we know like a few things, but like actual real concrete, you know, official deadline Hollywood announcement type stuff. We haven't really gotten anything yet other than a release date. We don't even have a title. So um, again, I'll talk about this a little more at the end, but yeah, just get that cooking in your brain right now uh, while we keep going with the mini-sode. Um, and the next bit I wanted to mention, obviously Tom Fishenden over at the Jurassic Park podcast, suit, you know, friend of the show, friend of, friend of me, uh, great contributor. He's doing some awesome Jurassic World Evolution stuff now. Um, he also did an interview um, over at Jurassic Park Podcast, a written interview with the Fallen Kingdom production designer, Andy Nicholson. Um, so far, as of this recording, he's released part one and two. Uh, and I just I'm going to include a link to it. I don't need to break it down for you because uh, you definitely need to go read it. Um, but uh, some interesting things that stuck out to me was how many different locations made up Lockwood's Manor. Um, there's Cragside, which is like a house in the middle of uh, you know, the England, <laughs> which Tom visited. I think there's a video, I believe there's a video on the Jurassic Park podcast, YouTube channel, uh, the ministry of defense and stuff. So I thought that was like kind of an interesting, an interesting thing. I didn't realize, I thought Lockwood's Manor was just one location and then some, you know, CGI set trickery. Obviously the interior was probably a set, but, or was a set, but yeah, I didn't realize all the outer locations were a bunch of different things. Um, and then there was like more talk about whether or not the, you know, in Lockwood's kind of natural history museum space, whether or not those dioramas were stuffed dinos or just, you know, uh, artistic representations. So there's some more discussion of that. And Andy Nicholson, um, you should follow him on Instagram at something I see. 
uh, because he's posting tons of photos, behind the scenes photos of all the sets, details of the dioramas and everything. Uh, it's really cool. So thanks, Tom. That was a great interview. Looking forward to part three, I believe. Um, yeah, I'll include a link to everything. Um, okay, okay, okay. Let's get into hot off the press. The, the benefit of this episode being late uh, was that today and this weekend is New York Toy Fair uh, 2019. Uh, if you remember last year, uh, I covered Toy Fair like with a Raptor Reactions episode and I talked to Chris Pugh over at Jurassic Outpost about our thoughts on the toys because he was there last year and I got to interview him like in depth about what he was experiencing there. Um, but yeah, it was kind of like, it kind of hit me that it was happening again and it was just like, oh, well, you know, maybe, you know, I just didn't, like last year was when Fallen Kingdom came out on 25th anniversary, so I wasn't really thinking about that it, that there would be a bunch of stuff this year, but pff, I'm such an idiot because obviously Brit Shots over at Mattel, go listen to our holiday episode with Brit. It was awesome. Um, they, Mattel are doing some amazing things. They're keeping it going. Like, I mean, I might even be more excited about the stuff this year because we're getting a freaking Brachiosaurus um, over at Collect Jurassic um, you know, not only is this going to be a scale, uh, Brachiosaurus, which is fucking incredible, excuse me. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, if you've read about the Spinosaurus toy stuff that was going on, uh, last year, um, Brit has, you know, reached out to collect Jurassic and in this article, which I'll include a link to, you know, clarifying that they're really trying to work with retailers this time to make the Brachiosaurus available to everybody, um, that they can, you know, they're, they're, you know, the thing that you're going to see a little bit of while we're talking about toy fair is that this fallen kingdom, these Jurassic park toys have blown everything out of the water. It's like Jurassic when Jurassic world came out, everyone was like, Oh my God, people love Jurassic park. People love dinosaurs. We didn't realize it. Well, that's kind of how that seems to be what has happened with the toys as well. And just the, the toys just did amazing, did way more than everyone expected. So um, they're really trying to make this stuff more available to everybody who wants it, not just collectors, but, you know, everyday people who are just trying to get their hands on some good dinosaur toys. So um, let's see what's next. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, the other crazy, the other cool thing is we're getting a uh, we're getting basically a Lego Jurassic TV series, um, basically. So this is over at Jurassic Park podcast. Um, they have a quote that it's called Lego Jurassic World Legend of Isla Nublar set in 2012, three years before the events of the Jurassic World movie. Um, Lego Jurassic World Legend of Isla Nublar picks off where the story left off from uh, the secret exhibit, which I haven't seen yet, but I have I found it on DVD at Target. So Brennan and I are going to watch it um, and I'll let you know my thoughts. Uh, newly hired animal behaviorist Owen Grady and assistant manager of park operations. I love that title. Uh, Claire Deering team up on Isla Nublar to deal with everything the Jurassic World Park throws their way and everything, quote unquote, includes runaway dinosaurs, ongoing construction to expand the park, tourists everywhere, unpredictable tropical weather, and an impulsive boss. Uh, plus a mysterious saboteur with surprising ties to the park's past is on a quest to find a legendary treasure and destroy Jurassic World forever. What could possibly go wrong? Everything. So uh, that's really cool. And... Yeah, it's just so funny. Lego Jurassic is all their all, all their video content. Again, I haven't seen Secret Exhibit yet, but the Indominus Escape is really awesome and really underrated. Uh, like they're really going all out with Lego Jurassic, which ties me, which brings me into again. They announced a bunch of new Lego Jurassic sets this year, including a Mecha 
T-Rex that looks like it could transform into the Park Explorer vehicle. And there's like new characters and new molds, like a Triceratops and a Baryonyx. And it's just, I mean, again, I'll provide a link to all the details and stuff. But, um, you know, for as much as I loved the Mattel toys and obviously have been obsessed with them and love them, uh, I was kind of disappointed with the Fallen Kingdom Lego selection. And this is just kind of blowing me away. It's not stuff that's like from the movies. Um, Obviously, there's characters and dinosaurs and vehicles and stuff from the movies. But for me and what I always loved about Legos when I was a kid, Lego, uh, is, you know, you build what's in the box and then you break it down and build your own thing. And it just... It's, I love all this stuff. There's like an egg spinner ride thing. It's just like in a mecha T-Rex. Like it's just, there's even a river raft. Uh, there's like a raft boat, which is like maybe a nod to uh, the raft sequence in um, the original Jurassic Park book. So to me, it just feels like, you know, in the spirit of Lego and, and building new things, uh, I just love that all these sets are kind of new and not necessarily just trying to copy scenes from the movie. I mean, I like those too, but... Uh, this to me just I just feel more excited about these Lego sets so maybe I might indulge in a couple of them or all of them who knows but uh, yeah so I'm super excited about that um, and yeah the, the the announcements just keep on coming um, the there's going to be an Indominus Rex uh, Mattel toy and it looks I mean it looks awesome I mean it's just like such a perfect I couldn't think of a more perfect looking representation of of the Indominus Rex from Jurassic World and Mattel just, yeah, again, you know, just, hey, knocking it out of the park. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, it, and it's going to be that thing that it's going to be affordable. It's going to be at a price point that people are happy with. It's not this thing that has to be this. Not that I like wouldn't want a crazy cool $500 collectible, but I think for me, what I loved about the Mattel toys, what I love about the Mattel toys so much is that is that the price point is just so beautiful and you really feel like you're getting something special, even though it is this mass produced thing. So um, there's also new color schemes I saw, which look pretty wild and out there and awesome. Uh, and yeah, I mean, there's also, I believe, let's see, I'm looking at Jurassic Outpost's post. Um, there's going to be, oh yeah, there's going to be like a, a super colossal blue, which could be interesting. That's, I'm I'm afraid to touch it. Blue might, she might bite me. But um, yeah, it's really cool. Oh, the Indominus thing swallows. I believe it swallow. It can swallow, uh, or at least it, yeah, it can devour. It's the destroy and de- devour Indominus Rex. So it doesn't look like there's any clear price points yet, uh, according to Chris's article over here at Jurassic Outpost. But um, obviously, you know, uh, you know, I wanted to get this epi- episode to you guys uh, this weekend. You know, just because I was meant to get it out on Valentine's Day, but um, it just means that there's going to be more. Uh, Toy Fair stuff that we can keep talking about after the mini-sode comes out. So, um, you know, again, the Facebook group, which is amazing, um, just go there and we're keeping the discussion alive and everything like that. So um, the the final thing uh, is, and I really think, I'm, I'm glad I waited this long to record it today uh, because the, um, uh, the Mattel, uh, you know, Jurassic World uh, dinosaurs, they won action figure of the year at the Toy, um, Toy Association, um, the Toy Awards, um, yeah, the Toy of the Year Awards Gala. Um, this is from Samantha. Samantha you know her as uh, Samantha Joe 8 on Instagram and Twitter and stuff. She obviously a writer for Dress Scout Post. Um, she always puts great stuff up, and you should all be following her on social. Uh, but um, 
yeah, the, uh, yeah, basically, um, isn't that, I mean, again, like I was saying before, like these toys blew everyone's, you know, minds and I'm so proud of Brit and the whole Mattel team that they were honored with that because, you know, as like Brit and I were talking about in, in the Christmas episode, like for me, the idea that we have these dinosaur toys on the shelves, that that's something that we can just go to at any time, you know, from kid to adult that we can just go into target We can go into, you know, any store like that and just see Jurassic Park toys, see dinosaur toys like that. Like that is like, I feel like that's like so, you know, it's just added such a, like a joyous little layer to my life. Anytime I run errands, you know, just, all right, just even if I'm not buying anything, just like to know it's there. So congrats again to Mattel, congrats again to Britt and all of her, her team and everybody over there uh, for winning action figure of the year. So uh, with that said... Um, we're going to take, you know, we're going to, I'm trying to just break this up a little bit. So, um, let's take a break and then we'll come back with some dinosaur news. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. All right, everybody, we're back. We're going to hit you with some dinosaur news. There's been so much, like... I don't know if it's just because maybe I'm following more paleo stuff lately, more scientists, more paleontologists on uh, social media, but I feel like we've had tons of great new dinosaur news uh, in 2019. Maybe it's because I'm listening to Common Descent all the time obsessively, uh, that podcast, but um, I just wanted to focus on two this month, um, which you know we've already all been talking about in the Facebook group and stuff, but I just want to throw in my two cents here. Um, and I just, these mini sods are getting so massive. Now I have like multiple documents open just so I can capture everything. And I'm not just trying to, to wing it all, um, from memory. Uh, but the biggest one, the biggest kind of highlight of this month was a new sauropod called, uh, Bajatosaurus, which was discovered in Argentina, which is, a um, um, I think it's Armagosaurus, which they're making a, a Mattel toy this year of, I believe still, um, of that sauropod. Uh, this dinosaur was, uh, discovered by, um, or the, the, the abstract or whatever. Yeah. Discovered by, I guess that's the right word. Um, <laughs> Pablo, a, uh, Galena, Sebastian, um, Apestaguia, uh, Juan I. Canal and Alejandra Halusa. Um, apologies if I pronounce all your names wrong. Um, they published a report in, um, nature, um, that this dinosaur, this Bajatosaurus, the sauropod had these insane looking backwards facing spines basically connected to their spine all the way up their neck to their, you know, up their whole 
back, you know, almost like you think of when we think of like Spinosaurus, like that kind of thing. But it's just so, I mean, it, the fact that they're like facing forward is so wild looking. And, you know, I put a link, there's a few articles. There's one in Scientific American by Brian Swedek, um, and Iowa nine by George Dvorsky, excuse me. Um, and, uh, a paleontologist, uh, I believe friend, Franziska, sorry if I pronounce your name wrong. She's oh yeah, Franzi on Instagram. Uh, I saw that like she's one of the people that tagged me in it, and she's an awesome paleontologist. So I was like, oh, I got to investigate. Um, but yeah, we've all been talking about it in the Facebook group and stuff. But it's just such a wild looking sauropod, and for me because I love sauropods, Shannosaurus is my favorite dinosaur. It's a sauropod that has a club tail. Like this is just like right to the heartstrings. Like anytime I find a sauropod that that is unique and cool looking. I mean, obviously love Brachiosaurus, loved uh, Apatosaurus, love Mementisaurus. We can't forget Mementisaurus from the Lost World. Uh, Diplodocus, you know, from Jurassic World and um, Fallen Kingdom. But uh, yeah, so that that this uh, sauropod is in the news in a big way, Littlefoot, um, you know, uh, is just making me super happy. And yeah, it's interesting. Uh, they Basically the main point of, you know, their discovery of this is or their kind of question was like, was this used for defense? You think about deer and stuff like that. But there's obviously, a, I think the biggest question a lot of these articles were saying, it's like, yeah, but why would you use something for defense when it's like connected to your neck? Because all this stuff is connected to your spine. So it feels a little precarious. But there's some other theories about fat storage and things like that. But um, I'll include a link to all the articles. But mostly I just was here to say, hey, this is cool as hell. And I love that a sauropod is kind of the big focus uh, this month. And uh, you know, kicking off 2019 with some awesome sauropod news. Um, and again, you know me, I love sauropods because it's like, they're kind of like uh, the do no harm, but take no shit of dinosaurs where they, you know, that's the Shinosaurus. It's like this gentle giant, but Hey, if you attack me, I can defend myself. I don't know. I like that a lot about sauropods. So, um, there's that. And then the other bit of news was the discovery. I feel like this dinosaur was over. This dinosaur discovery was overshadowed a little bit this month. Um, it's a dinosaur called the Gobi Raptor and uh, Ashley Hall, um, a.k.a. Lady Naturalist. She's um, an amazing paleontologist. She shared this article from PLOS, the paleo community. Uh, this article was by John Tennant. And the Gobi Raptor, let's see, let me bring up this article, is a new oviraptor. So we think of oviraptor, it's, you know, it's like kind of like Gallimimus. It's, you know, an omnivorous. It's, I'm not saying it's a Gallimimus, but it's, it's more along that line. It's, you know, it's not the kind of fearsome raptors, you know, velociraptors and Deinonychus and stuff like that. Um, and I love this article too, because it, it, you know, when we think about, uh, you know, all the paleo, all the like dinosaur fans being like, you know, Brontosaurus is actually a Potosaurus and all that stuff. Like, my big nerdy thing as a kid that I remember my dad always, I think he was even making fun of me of it for recently when we were in Hawaii, where, um, you know, Oviraptor, when it was first discovered, you know, it, its name means egg thief. Uh, but actually it was pretty, you know, we discovered later, you know, like Pluto, like Brontosaurus, uh, that the Oviraptor was actually protecting its young. So it's it's kind of been a misnomer. Um, and so I kind of like that this article here, uh, by John Tennant was like, hey, like, you know, these oviraptors are these interesting dinosaurs that aren't necessarily these egg thieves and stuff like that. Um, but really the main focus, again, I just love, I loved all that. But then Gobi Raptor is this like a normal little, 
little feathered thing with a beak and it looks just so cute. And um, it was discovered in the Mongolia desert. Um, and yeah, I believe I'm trying to see who, who, who discovered it. Oh, uh, here we go. It's um, Sun Jin Li, Yung Nam Li, um, and Suya Chin Same, uh, Jung Chang Lu, uh, Richin Barsbold, and ooh, uh, apologies, Kij Kijgavjiv, uh, Batar. Oh, sorry, I apologize again if I'm pronouncing everyone's name wrong. I'm going to include a link to this, but uh, this this Gobi Raptor. Um, it's just the most little adorable. It's tiny. It was from the late Cretaceous. Um, it was found in the Nempt formation, um, you know, living around lakes and rivers. And it's just like kind of more of like a, it's almost like the nice version of like a raptor, you know, but it's got like this really beak. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's just really cute. And I just feel like it deserves a shout out, you know, as much as I love Bahatosaurus and, you know, I'm a sauropod freak. I'm a long neck freak. Uh, Gobi Raptor is really cute too. So I wanted to give Gobi Raptor a little shout out too in this episode. Um, so yeah, I'll include a link again, links to pictures and everything like that. Um, usually the articles are probably up in the Facebook group by the time I do the mini sodes. So yeah, just wanted to shout that out. Um, but yeah, that's some dinosaur news. I'm always down to do more dinosaur news. Uh, you know, but I also don't want to necessarily just read the articles verbatim and stuff like that. So I'm hoping that I can just kind of put my little stamp in perspective and then send you on your way to read the full article. Cause I'm also not a paleontologist. So, uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about, uh, before we get to our kind of Valentine's day post Valentine's day, uh, I believe Brenna commented on my Twitter article or Twitter, Twitter article, a uh, tweet about it being late of just like, this is the weekend of love or you know what? Or if you don't celebrate Valentine's day, we're just talking about our favorite kinds of relationships and not necessarily romantic ones. So, uh, you know, we can keep it going all weekend long. But before that, I wanted to talk about moving because moving was a nightmare. But thank you to uh, Brenna, obviously, um, Beeksels, aka Bonnie Puns, um, Sarah Iyer, who you may, uh, you know, she's been, uh, you know her from the Percast, obviously my Percast host, and Annalise Nelson, who I uh, used to do popular music with, who's still doing popular music, and so you should keep listening if you're not keeping up with it. Um, and she did the podcast theme song. Anyway, the three of them really made moving so much more bearable and possible. Uh, I definitely couldn't have done it all without them. So I'm in my own place, uh, which is so great. And uh, it's still coming together. I'm, I was sharing in the group, just trying to figure out the best way to display my, this is where the Jurassic Park comes in. Uh, but yeah, just trying to figure out the best place to display my figures, kind of really fill out my uh, you know, apartment, um, you know, to be, you know, fully Jurassic. Um, I'll mention though, from, uh, if everyone remembers the photo background from the C Jurassic right, uh, bingo night, that'll, that'll be coming soon from the C Jurassic right trivia night. Um, that has now become, it was actually a shower curtain. So I'm actually now just using it as my shower curtain. So that's a little way to get some fern wave going on in my life. Um, excuse me again. Um, I was at, I had some fun earlier tonight. Um, but, um, again, uh, the, you know, Marissa Mortati, who you should all be following, um, who shot all the stuff for the trivia night, shot all the photos. Um, I think we were just talking before that night and we're like, Oh, the shower curtain is way much more affordable than a, 
you know, buying like a backdrop or anything like that. So it's just funny now that it now, cause it was like sitting in my car for like six months, but now it's up in my new place for my shower curtain. So that's really fun. And then the other part about moving, which is exciting is that just over this last year or like year, not just six months over year, my old place was just piling up and in a weird way, moving has like allowed me to rediscover a lot of the cool JP stuff that I've gotten over the last uh, again year um, gifts that people have sent. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I forgot I had this, like all that stuff. So I think for me, the, my big goal with my new apartment is I really wanted to just kind of start shooting more video content, showing off some of this cool Jurassic park stuff that I've gotten or people have given to me and, you know, just really kind of sharing it visually um, in a way that's really fun. So it's like, I'm, I have this, you know, uh, one bedroom, you know, all to myself. So I really want to make that space a really fun, creative space that I can kind of uh, share more stuff, make more content, um, you know, start doing uh, season two in earnest, um, mostly because I haven't had good internet or internet at all. Um, bad reception, you know, space, time, all that stuff. But um, yeah, now that I moved in, we'll have to unpack and everything. But uh, yeah, I feel like now it's all can really begin in earnest. So I'm super excited. It's been such a weight lifted. Um, but yeah, thanks everyone for dealing with me and my uh, in the last couple months, it's been insane. Yeah, I guess without further ado, let's jump into this Valentine's Day stuff. Again, not just Valentine's Day because you don't have to celebrate it. If you do, that's awesome. If you don't, that's awesome as well too. Um, yeah, but it's just an excuse for us to talk about uh, the relationships of Jurassic Park. And as I mentioned, it's not all you know, love and romantic. There's tons of cool platonic stuff, some funny stuff. Everyone's responses were great. I think everyone really liked um, last month's just me kind of reading off everyone's responses for these kind of one sentence answer stuff. And again, everyone, I mean, you guys contributed so much more than I could even, uh, than I even imagined. So thank you again, everybody for calling in, writing in, commenting on the posts and stuff like that. This is so much fun. I think this is definitely going to be my, um, mini sewed uh kind of formula from now on because it's just been so much fun for me as well to read everyone's responses and to read them back to you uh yeah i mean and i think especially as we move into season two you know having these themed episodes again and stuff we can really kind of tailor uh the questions to the episodes and i can really kind of you know i get to hear everybody's opinion and we get to kind of form this beautiful collage of like what we think of jurassic park and all this stuff so um but First, uh, before we dive into emails and uh, everyone's comments on social media, I wanted to play a call from Ellen. Hi, Stephen. It's Ellen from all the different socials. So I just wanted to say that for sure my favorite Jurassic Park couple is Ellie and Alan. I think that they are the most relatable and as well independent couple out of all the um, potential pairs within the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World series. And I think part of what really draws me to them over anyone else is the fact that they both truly are able to survive Jurassic Park on their own and then come back together. And I mean, even though it does not work out for them in the long run, I still think that they are kind of like hashtag squad squad goals um, overall. 
but that's definitely my favorite couple. And then also, you know, Alan, when he is seeing the Triceratops, that is always my favorite meme, especially when they put the cat in for the Triceratops. Anyway, that's what I think about uh, the different couples for uh, Valentine's Day um, in the Jurassic Park world. And again, this is Ellen, as in Ellen Grace with three R's on Instagram and Elle's Life Aquatic on Twitter. Thanks for listening to my call. Bye. I love that, Ellen. Thank you so much. Uh, I love your, I love that perspective about them, you know, being able to function as independent individuals as well, too. And I think that is kind of a theme that kind of plays throughout everyone's answers. Um, but you also followed up with an email as well, too. So I wanted to read that as well. Obviously, um, Ellen says, you know, obviously, um, Ellie and Alan, um, they have the best dynamic um, humor. And, you know, when they split up, um, you know, like they're kind of dynamic, even when they're apart, um, you know, that the and then she also says not to mention having PhDs in fields, something somewhat near biology is quite relatable for me. During the time they're trying to survive and get out of the park and off the island, you get to know them independently and as their own people. For me, this adds so much more to their characters. Most of the other couples throughout the film don't seem to operate as much as individuals, both through the physical sense of separation and abilities to make decisions solely on their own. Even Malcolm goes to the island because of Sarah. That's a good point. Um, I also love their joy and curiosity they display when first arriving at the park. <laughs> My second favorite couple would have been Alan when he's nearly, nearly laying on top of the trike. Um, but that's also due to the cat memes. Thanks for sharing Ellen. Um, yeah, yeah, no, just reiterating, like, I love that idea because yeah, when you're, I mean, that's always the conundrum when showing couples in cinema is that, well, it's not just a trouble with couples in cinema. It's a trouble with couples in, uh, life, you know, is that idea of being independent, but as well as functioning as a unit and kind of that back and forth and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, I think that's a really important point to bring up and I think, um, it can kind of ruminate in our heads as we dive into everyone else's answers. Um, so thank you, Alan. Um, the first, I want to start off with the Facebook group again, see Jurassic right, um, on Facebook, uh, Colby, a friend of the show, amazing friend, super awesome. She's the best. She said, Owen and blue hundred percent, which I love. I love that. That's been a big answer that everyone's been saying. Um, Elizabeth says, 25 plus years later and Lex and the Brachiosaurus are still my fave. Um, look, you know, if you can't sneeze on your significant other, who can you sneeze on? Uh, Nemo said in the, uh, in the Facebook group again, uh, I think Alan and Ellie, but I also really like Owen and Blue. Um, Jessica says Owen and Blue, the real OTP. I think if I did a, an official poll, I think Blue, Owen and Blue might edge out um, Dr. Sattler and Dr. Grant. Maybe not, though. Um, Zelma says, um, I love what she wrote. Uh, I love that you rode here on a white horse. I just need to show up in a cab now. And then two, um, everyone's favorite future ex, Mrs. Malcolm, though, honestly, we all know Ian is Sarah's future ex, Mr. Harding. Mm. Uh, yeah, Sarah Harding and Ian Malcolm, which, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's just like, I think with their relationship, it's just like, I mean, in the book, you kind of. In, in the Lost World book, they're very different, but I, because kind of, I feel like Dr. Sarah Harding is portrayed as being like more significantly younger than Ian Malcolm in the Lost World book. Um, but it's like, I think for me, it's like, you know, you almost want to see more of kind of how they are at the end of the Lost World, you know, where they're really kind of, uh, you know, 
you, you can kind of see that there's this kind of uh, brassiness between them that is just very like, you know, they're both so focused on what they believe in, you know, and, and that's the stuff that I like the most. So yeah, Zelma, I love that you brought them up um, uh, in this way too. So that's awesome. Um, and then Zelma also said, um, she says, because I can't choose just one, she said, is Ian and Kelly. She said, movie Kelly is a bit of a mixed bag, but I still love her and felt she and Ian had a very sweet relationship. I, uh, plus, she taught me the word troglodyte. Hashtag, she doesn't even have Sega. Um, so again, you know, with these, I'm glad everybody was getting creative and not just thinking of, you know, kind of typical pairs and stuff. Although we have those, so that's great too. But um, yeah, it, you know, uh, child-parent relationships are very... Um, important in uh, Jurassic Park. Obviously, there's so much of a family theme in these movies. And so I think for me, Ian and Kelly are a special relationship because it's way more antagonistic in a way that feels more... um, It just gives you that... Because so much in the Jurassic Park movies, you know, it's it's Claire and her nephews. You know, it's it's Tim and Lex, but it's, you know, their grandpa. But we have a direct parent-child relationship, which, you know, if you go back and listen to the Lost World episode uh, with uh, Annie Wilkes and Megan Baker um, and a few other people, you know, the menagerie of people we talk, that I talked to, but um, but I loved it, you know, but Annie and uh, Megan's points were so great about all this stuff. Uh, you know, the, the Kelly and Ian really are like, I mean, you know, obviously we have Eric, um, you know, and the Kirbys, but I think the the type of but they're like they're all very nice to like they're really nice you know because he's been stranded on the island so they're really nice to their kid you know they're not very like antagonistic so like ian and kelly is kind of very rough and tumble but loving kind of dynamic is i'm glad you pointed that out zemo because it's the more i talk about it even right now i'm like oh my gosh their their parent-child relationship is so cool um so thank you for pointing that out zalma um so we go to twitter now and uh at flies like VU uh, LT3, they say, does this uh, GIF count? And it's that Alan doing the like Triceratops thing, but it's Photoshopped to be the shirtless Ian Malcolm. And I'm like, you know what? I'm so into it. Um, and at Stinking Goose says, I ship Muldoon and the raptor who killed him. Uh, which, again, if we go back to Dusty uh, at the top of the episode, uh, <laughs> you know. I think that's the way he he want. I mean, I don't know if he wanted to go that way, but I think in that moment, that clever girl was him being like, "You got me." So I love that. Um, at T C S C E D Rexium Blue. Oh, I like that. And of course, these two softies, and she includes, uh, or they include, excuse me, uh, Claire and Owen embracing on the Arcadia as a GIF. Um, but T C S C E D. Uh, Rexy and Blue, I like that. Um, and in some way, it's like you almost wish they would have had more. They would have had some screen time together in Fallen Kingdom, but who knows? Maybe they'll reunite in Jurassic World Three. Um, and then at uh, Juan Yun Brundle, um, they include Grat slash Sattler. Whoa, Grat Grant slash Sattler, Ian slash Hammond. I like that a lot too. Again, because we're not talking about romantic. Not even platonic. It's it's kind of this professional rivalry kind of relationship. Um, Owen and Blue, Claire and Zia. I like that as well. Um, and they all said Rexy and Mills. Love that. Um, I like the Ian and Hammond thing because one of my favorite parts rereading the Lost World book. If you haven't read it, go read it. The character that isn't in 
the movies, Richard Levine, who's kind of this like spoiled pretty boy scientist who has all of daddy's money, which I would love it if they could find some way to include that character in Jurassic World 3. I feel like now that the dinosaurs are open and out there, you could kind of see that character wanting to go off and be the hero. Um, and I could totally see Chris Pine playing him. Um, I mean, Chris Pine's great. You know, I'm a pine nut. Uh, but um, uh, you could totally see him kind of being this like pretty boy, you know, who kind of is full of himself, you know, and then seeing him go toe to toe with Jeff Goldblum would be so cool. So just putting it out there. And then on Instagram, uh, let's see, at Acacia335, um, <laughs> they say Malcolm and Harding, only non terrible human couple. Kirby's are by far the worst. If you go back and listen to my Jurassic Park 3 episode, I make a case uh, for Tay Leone and why her character is great in that movie, um, even though she yells through a bullhorn a lot, which is probably not a, which is probably a bad idea, a very bad idea. Um, in uh, Bella Land, Bella, she says Nedry and the Dilophosaurus, kidding, um, which is hilarious. Uh, boom underscore the street dog just gives me a green heart. So thank you. I appreciated that. Um, Miss Jenny Woods is clearly Alan and El- uh, Ellie and Alan. JP3 ruined that. Look, we were all heartbroken. Um, uh, Iliad, Iliad Hellion. Sorry if I said that wrong. Uh, mine is Dennis Nedry and uh, 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 which pretty satisfying. Um, at Tenessa, whoa, at Tenessa, at Tenessia, whoa, at Tenessia Art, uh, she says Aaron, uh, Owen and Claire, they say Aaron, Owen and Claire, no doubt. Um, tuberculosis, my friend Brooke from high school. Um, she says, Dr. Ian Malcolm in his leather pants. Mm, I couldn't agree more, Brooke. Um, J. Kyle Holt says, Ian Malcolm in his ego. Again, very correct answer. Uh, treepeople.us says, Robert Muldoon in his clever girl, winky face, um, which I love, uh, you know, so much. Um, Jess Rez says, Ian Malcolm in Dr. Sattler's hand. I mean, I think Laura Dern, when, because uh, Jeff Goldblum retweeted the Sam Neill and Laura Dern, the Laura Dern and Sam Neill photo, and he was like, you know, th- then there's running and screaming, like kind of reprising his quote from The Lost World. And then Laura Dern was like, retweeted that and was just like, sure thing to say that, even though you've been, you're not even, you're not even focusing on survival and just fucking flirting and holding my, like, I don't know. It was just, Laura Dern was so funny about it. Uh, let's see. Um, Adelia underscore E says Elvis and his cookies. You know, you know, Elvis, uh, the Siamese for my favorite murder. Um, Lover Hianan says Phil the dinosaur wrangler and the raptors in the kitchen. Mm, I, I feel bad for Phil. Uh, Allison Forbes says Owen and Blue. Um, and then uh, Avasha Kumar says the T Rex couple from the Lost World. Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned that. Because uh, I love I love mommy and daddy uh, Rex, you know, when they share, uh, you know, uh, a car meal. Um, oh, poor Eddie Carr. Um, <laughs> and ms. Uh, Sid. D says Stephen and anyone he chooses. Whoa. Um, and then Jenny Shu says, uh, I mean hashtag Alan and Ellie forever. So, hey, we'll see what happens when they get back together for 
uh, Jurassic World 3, if they get back together. Um, and then there was one other email I wanted to end it on. Um, favorite couple, favorite with a U. She says, hi, my, f-, this person says, hi, my favorite couple in Jurassic is the T-Rex mom and dad. Like, um, like who said it above? I just already forgot because that's how short term my memory is. Um, uh, Avisha Kumar on Instagram. So this person says, hi, my favorite couple in Jurassic is the uh, T-Rex mom and dad. I think they're my favorite couple because they're the best dino couple ever. I couldn't agree more, you know, uh, as far as dino and dino couples go. Uh, love, love SJR and thanks for the pod. Happy Valentine's by Aiden, age nine in Dublin. Oh, sorry for swearing, Aiden, by the way. Um, Aiden, age nine in Dublin. And yeah, I love, I mean, just the end of the Lost World with them uh, together over Hammond's or, you know, under Hammond's voiceover is just... I mean, peak Jurassic Park and just couldn't get any better and more beautiful from that. So thank you everyone again for submitting your responses. You know, I think even when I asked this question, it was just like, all right, what can I do for Valentine's Day that would be fun? And, and you know, we can just kind of goof around and talk about and maybe get, you know, some meaningful stuff in there, some silly stuff in there. But again, you guys just blew me away. Uh, I'm so thankful for all of you and this community who are supporting this podcast. So it means a lot to me. Um, and again, I wanted to end with a couple of things. Um, oh, I wanted to mention, uh, you know, obviously check out my Lane Before Time, uh, you know, the cinematic attractions episode with Brenna White. Um, that's super fun and super sad. Uh, Prehysteria with Luce Tomlin Brenner. Um, we get really like talking about the 90s-ness of that dinosaur movie. Um, and yeah, I'm hoping to have some more cinematic attractions episodes soon. And again, hoping to gear up season two in earnest, you know, besides just the planning stages and stuff like that and kind of reaching out to people really start to, you know, start recording soon. Um, and now that I have a dedicated uh, recording space that I'm working in and also a new space, I'm going to have a lot more opportunities to record. So I'm just going to be excited to make this a life Jurassic in 2019. You know, the beginning of the year has thrown a lot of challenges my way, but mostly I'm just thankful for everyone who's been there and who's made it, you know, all this, you know. It's just, it's just been, I'm just very thankful for everyone in my life. So, um, yeah, that's, that's what this, this what the holiday was supposed to be about, right? I don't know. But anyway, uh, you know, follow on all the socials, uh, see Jurassic Right on Instagram, uh, join the Facebook group, really the best place on the internet, um, Twitter, all the good stuff, Steve Marie Morrison, all the things. Um, and then, yeah, so this question was, tell me one prediction for Jurassic World 3 that you hope to come true excuse me, not what you think will come true, but what you hope, like what, what do you really want in your heart of hearts? You know, I think obviously a lot of people want the original trio back. So that's, that's like an example, you know, not really based on, you know, constraints or anything like that. Just like, what are you pure, pure Jurassic? You know, what are you hoping to happen? Uh, what are you hoping to come true when you sit down and watch Jurassic World 3, get your butt in the seat on June 11th, 2021, or, you know, whatever the release date is and what country you're in, what are you hoping to come true? Um, you know, call or email um, or comment on this post. I'll make other social posts again so you guys can comment on in the Facebook group as well. Uh, with one Jurassic World 3 prediction you hope or believe will come true, 323-688-6969 or cjurassicright at gmail.com. I'm going to tell you mine and I'm going to tell uh, Brenna's as well too. Brenna White, aka Bonnie Pun, aka Beaksels. Uh Mine is, I think Dr. Wu will still be a secondary villain, meaning that uh, I'll just ex- explain it. I'm only supposed to, you know, say one sentence. But, um, you know, in uh, Jurassic World, we obviously had the Indominus as well as like Hoskins. 
Um, and then in Fallen Kingdom, we had uh, Gunnar Eversall and Eli Mills and the Indoraptor. So I'm going to say that I think Dr. Wu will still be a secondary villain and we'll get a kind of a brand new villain or villainous characters and dinos in Jurassic World 3. And Dr. Wu's still going to kind of, I think he's going to have a bigger role, but I still think it's going to be, he's not going to like be the only villain. So that's my prediction for Jurassic World 3. In Brenna's, I really like Simple. Macy has some dino DNA in her. And uh, yeah, that's, that's it. So thank you, everybody. Uh, I will see you very soon. Hold on to your butts and life uh, finds a way. Now you can also interact with me and the show by following me on Twitter at Stephen Ray Morris and following SJR Pod on Twitter, See Jurassic Ride on Instagram, See Jurassic Ride on Facebook, or you can send me an email at SeeJurassicRide at gmail.com. Not only am I looking forward to talking to people about their Jurassic Park experiences and hearing yours, but I also am going to be sharing ephemera from my childhood and, oh God, I'm going to share the fan fiction uh, on there as well and pictures and toys and everything. It's going to be great. And I wanted to thank Caitlin Thompson and Tim Ruggery at ACAST, Molly McAleer, Heather Mason, Stephanie Cook, Sarah Iyer, and you. See Jurassic Right is an ACAST podcast. Check out the show on their mobile app. And thank you for listening. Until next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.